Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, back for another episode of the Westside Personalized Podcast. And uh, my travels have brought me today to Hillside Elementary uh, to speak with phenomenal elementary educator, kindergarten teacher, Crystal Shirky. Crystal, welcome to the podcast today. And I'm really just looking forward to getting a chance to have a conversation because I've had a uh, three or four opportunities to be in your class. Love being in there. Uh, you got great students too. One of them like made a little ice cream cone for me that I have up at my desk now that I really appreciate. <laughs> you so sweet. Um, and uh, so just it just has such a good culture, and you do so many great things with personalized learning that uh, I'm excited to get a chance to showcase your story and, and share some of the things that you're doing to serve our kiddos. So um, to kind of start off with, uh, for people that don't know you, can you give them a little bit of background about just kind of your experience in education and kind of. Yeah, where you've taught and things like that. Sure. I taught my first year at Sunny Slope Elementary in OPS. And then after that, I got a job at Westside and I taught fifth grade for eight years. And I'm finishing up my eighth year of kindergarten all at Hillside. So 16 years here. Nice, nice. And uh, to people that would say maybe that personalized learning can't happen K2, because I kind of hear that sometimes. Like, isn't that more like a high school thing? Isn't that kind of a, um, what would you say, what would you say to somebody that kind of has that disposition? I said that also. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, right? I it is. It's kind of valid. You can kind of think. But now you're on a podcast about it. At the, at the first meeting we went to in the first trainings, um, I sat there for probably the first two and a half, three hours thinking, I can't do this with my kids. My kids can't do this. I can't just send them out on their own to do their own learning. And I started real slow, mm-hmm. like one thing at a time. And it's just kind of evolved now. And they can do it. So it just kind of has evolved into all subject areas. Nice. And that's something that I know because we were in the same first cohort, uh, which, gosh, now is four years ago. Uh, and so I think you bring up a really good point that you have to kind of allow those practices to develop over time. And you try things and you start to understand how those fundamental principles fit your particular you know, demographic and, and age you know, level and the things that you ask them to do. So where, do you, where did you start personalizing when you came back from that? Because tra- that was like a six-day training <laughs> that first year. We had a lot of training and I worked with Dustin Carlson. We created uh, choice charts for reading. Because we would do our our guided reading groups and have a couple groups doing independent work. And we felt like uh, we could start there and give them a choice. We knew what activities we wanted them to do. So we put those on our choice chart with a couple more fun activities like iPad. So we started with choice in in reading, um, in guided reading groups. And I also started with my seating and changing up kind of just the layout of my classroom. And um, I did an autism grant that year and got some like blow up donut chairs. And I lowered two of my tables at the time to use the donut chairs. I brought in a bunch of pillows and a lot of clipboards and kind of just started in those two areas. Mm-hmm. So kind of a lot of well, flexible seating that whenever they had the opportunity to do these choice charts and uh, they could kind of sit down and yeah, pick their spot. Was there ever like some from the flex seating end of it, like some student I don't want to say this politely, banter back and forth. This is mine. They're like, I, I want to sit here and there's not enough seats. Or what does that sort of look like, I guess, with getting them acclimated to using all those pieces without just fighting over? I think that always happens in the beginning. But once they realize that every day they get a new choice, mm-hmm. that, well, one, they find what they really like. I have a couple kids that stand every single day at the standing table. 
couple kids that sit every single day in just a regular chair um, because that's what works for them. But I think in the beginning, you know, they want the coolest seats. And mm-hmm. so the first couple of days, there's, well, you sat there yesterday. So it's just that talking about taking turns, that whole kindergarten okay, yeah. sharing and taking turns. And then uh, after the first couple of days, I, I don't have a problem with it. And how would yeah. you, because part of the backlash we get with personal learning sometimes is they say, well, give me the data difference between this and this. Uh, and sometimes it's really difficult to produce data because, gosh, you know, the practice is so different than or or the new thing we've created like a choice chart you don't even have like the same assignments perhaps that you maybe did before so particularly with that flexible seating then what did that do for uh engagement or culture or like what were the benefits then that you maybe saw beyond just like well it's personalized we did it um you've stuck with it absolutely i I don't have data, obviously. Yeah, um, and you but shouldn't. Yeah, yeah I don't have data, is. but I can tell you Anecdotally, that though. <laughs> the climate of our classroom has changed. I feel like they're more comfortable. At any given time you walk in, you might see kids even laying on my floor, but they're engaged in their work. Um, and that was my biggest thing. It was, I'm going to start with this, but if they're playing and they're messing around and they're not engaged, then I'm going to have to, you know, kind of take a couple of steps backwards. But my kids, I feel like, are more engaged. You know, the kids that need to wiggle are, are wiggling. Uh, the kids mm-hmm. that need to stand sometimes are dancing while they're working because they're constantly moving. That would have been I, me. I, I, I'd have been that little guy in there for <laughs> I sure. I definitely said I would be laying. <laughs> but I definitely see more engagement. And it kind of changes throughout the day. You know, they may start standing, and by the end of the day, they're sitting in one of the, the rocker chairs. So it's just kind of, you know, after a while, they get a feel for what works for them, I feel like. Um, even at a young age, and I don't think they really vocalize that. Yeah. But but you can see a change in them, or you know, if they're working, sometimes they'll pick up you know mid writing and go sit somewhere else. They may not say it, but you see it happening as a teacher um, that they're losing focus and they'll they'll move. And that's something that you know, whenever I talk about, and again, I don't teach kindergarten, but I have a I have a first grader, mm-hmm. and I know just simply at home, if we're doing math, we sit at the table, and if we're reading, we sit on the couch, and she like prefers those for those particular like tasks. Uh, and so I think to, to say that someone who's six or seven can't uh, identify where they would like to work or where they feel comfortable completing something. Um, it's just, again, you have to be willing to kind of go through that trial by fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it it, out. and it changes every year. You know, you get a new group of kids every year and it's going to change and you've got to kind of adjust every year, but they really do get to pick their own spot and mm. they know what works for them, even as young as they are. Yeah. And with personalized learning, you know, I feel like one of the initial places everybody goes is choice. So it's kind of, you know, differentiate and and give these things. But then those choices really just create the space for you to develop that sense of learner agency and like academic autonomy. And so whether that's through furniture, right, in the way that you're talking about there, or I also know, too, that you've had an opportunity to help your students develop goals Mm -hmm. and kind of a process that I think those types of skills. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, you know, I uh, I've already I've personalized everything. I give a lot of choices. Um, that next step, because <laughs> it's really hard to personalize everything. Um, yes. <laughs> that, that next step, I think, is to start to be very intentional about about that whole agency piece. And so I think that uh, we could chat about goals for a minute because I, I love what you got, you're doing with all that. Okay. So two years ago, I started goal setting in January. I thought it would be kind of a good time. We've been through the roughest part of kindergarten. They're really starting to learn. And then this year, I actually pushed it back, and I started it in September, and they could do it, amazingly. But I really just start goal setting by talking about the playground. The playground is something all kindergartners love, and at the beginning of the year, there are some kids that don't know how to swing. There's kids that cannot cross the monkey bars. They're too scared to climb up on the jungle gym. And so we kind of talk about 
what are your strengths on the playground? How could you help a friend that doesn't know how to swing? So I kind of start there so they just get an idea of what they're good at, what they want to get better at, and then we talk about how are you going to get better at that on the playground. I'm going to practice. I'm going to ask my friends for help. I'm going to ask my teacher for help. So same thing in reading. You know, mm-hmm. so then I carry that. We do a couple days of just talking about setting goals for the playground. We go out and practice. And then I carry that over into reading. And I talk about how in reading this year, you know, we're going to learn letters and sounds. And I kind of talk about that scaffolding sight words and then stories, you know, sentences mm-hmm. and stories. And in the beginning, I set their goals for them. And I say, okay, we've set playground goals. Now we're going to set reading goals. And we talk about all of that, how we're going to meet those reading goals. We're going to practice. We're going to ask our teachers. We're going to ask our friends. And it just kind of starts with that. I feel like starting with the playground, then they get an idea of what it means to set a goal and how they're going to reach their goal and how excited we're going to be when we meet our goal. Because when you can Mm -hmm. finally cross those monkey bars, that's a big deal, you know? And it's measurable. And you can take some pride in that, too, because you know that, that you saw yourself improve, that you have the capacity to develop a skill that you previously were lacking Right. That's and it's awesome. just, just more aware. Yeah. Your friends celebrate with you because they've helped you along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the beginning, I do set the first goals for my students. I know exactly where they're at. We've done some beginning of the year checks with them. So I will, I'll sit with them one-on-one and say, you know, you already know 15 letters. So let's set your goal to say 25. I set mm-hmm. them kind of low in the beginning so we can meet them faster and celebrate yeah. them. So they see that and they see that excitement. And then as we go on, I let them start helping me make their goals, and they catch on to the letters, the sounds, the sight words, the reading levels. And so we do every Friday is when we do our checks, Mm -hmm. and we celebrate those that have met their goals and reset goals. But I really just, I start basic with them, and then by the end of the year, it's more complex. They're making their own goals. Sometimes I have kids that maybe are getting speech help, and so they'll use their speech goals. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm working with Mr. Shady on, you know, my k sound and producing that appropriately. And that's something I want to have as my as my goal because that's going to help me in reading. Yeah. And so it's kind of fun f- to see them bring in some of that and realize that it's going to help them in reading and writing as well. And want that to be their goal instead of just sight words or reading levels, too. Gosh, and I love that idea of setting those first as, I don't want to call it low-hanging fruit, but, like, you know, like the opportunity to experience success. Mm-hmm. Um, and making sure that you don't, yeah, push them to a place where they get discouraged and get like turn off from the process, I guess there. Uh, and so I also, as you were like talking, got to a place where I was thinking, if you don't have that piece in place as a learner, I think you would just show up every day and just be subject to whatever was rolled out in front of you. Right. Like right. It, it, it's less about seeing yourself on a progression and a timeline and more so about Teacher, tell me what to do for the next 30 minutes, and I'll just do this, and we'll move on to the next time. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that fair to say? Like, the, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, if you're going, well, how much of a difference does this change? I think you have to kind of put yourself in the place of the learner for a minute and go, oh, well, well it changes a lot because, not, you know, it's, it's how you experience school <laughs> by just having the ability to, uh, and making the time, I think, to, to have intentional conversations about those things and giving them a vision for where they need to go or would like to go, right, and owning it. Absolutely. It is time-consuming, but they do start to own their own their learning and, mm-hmm. and want to progress and keep getting better. They see that versus just I'm doing it because you're telling me to. So after enough scaffolding, how much time would you say that it, it sort of takes once you get into it, like out of your class time? We do every every Friday instead of guided reading groups. We do what we call goal day. 
Okay. And on that day, they if you ask them, they say they get to do anything they want, which sounds pretty <laughs> wide open. <laughs> I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> I'm going home. Catch me at the playground. I got a playground going. Yeah, to knock exactly. It out. <laughs> we'll be outside. I'm kidding. Uh, but I do, uh, you know, in the beginning, it's it's very structured, and I just have an organizational, I don't know, like Rubbermaid drawer system. And I think there's six or seven drawers, and each drawer has different activities, whether they're letters, sounds, sight words. I have my leveled baskets of books, so they, you know, they know what their goal is. So if their goal is to read it, an A book, then that's what they're practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, So on those Fridays, they can work independently in small groups with a teacher. And in the beginning, it takes a lot of guidance. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of set a couple together. You have the same goal. Why don't you play this game? You know? Yeah. Um, And just kind of guide them in that. But like by, I mean, I would say the first couple of months, they're picking their own activities. They're making up their own activities. They're being teacher. And they're having their students read words and write words and now write sentences. So it's kind of just an open time. It's also a time for myself and my assistant to help the ones that need a little extra help that maybe aren't mm-hmm. quite ready to do that independence still, and also to do the, the checks on where they're at. Have they learned those sight words that they're really practicing or, you know, their letter sounds? And then we just take like the last 10 minutes of every Friday to celebrate anybody that has met their goal. What do those uh, celebrations so we, look like? A lot of times it's just they come up to the front of the room, they put a sticker up on their goal sheet because we all have our goals, you know, on our reading goal wall, and we do a lot of three claps, and then at the end they can do their little, they have a kid power cheer that they created on their own at the beginning of the year, so that's something (laughs) they all get together with their hands in the middle and they do kid power. (laughs) So it's something they created, so we kind of roll with it, and it's fun, Uh, they love it, so it's nice to see them celebrate each other yeah, and get excited for, for some of those students that, that take a while to get where they need to be getting and how excited our class gets when they actually get there. I think that's one of the biggest things. Like there are certain kids that are constantly meeting goals and we can set their goals a little harder, you know, and then yeah. there's other kids where we, we keep their goals pretty simple and maybe we just add five sounds because we know it's going to take a couple weeks to get those five sounds. Yeah. But once they get those and the class celebrates with them, it's really fun to see. So you said that they like go to the wall where they have their goals mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. What does that wall look like then? I'm going to continue to ask just nuanced questions for people that are trying to yeah, figure out how to do fine. this in their classroom. Uh, right now I just have, I don't know, like maybe a four by six piece of colored construction paper with their name on it. And then there's just a sheet. I think it has like a runner running through a finish line. It has two goal boxes. And then I just print off what their goals are going to be using pictures and words. So if their goal is to read a level A book, it's just, you know, a picture of a circle with an A in it, and it says read a level A book, and we have those glued up there, and then there's a little box for a sticker. So once they meet one of their goals, we put a a sticker up there. Once they meet both of them, we take it down and put up a new new one. one. I also have just a chart with stars on it for sight words and how many sight words they know, and we just go, like, by tens. So every, you know, once they get 21, then they move up to the 20 spot all the way up to all kindergarten sight words. And then we have another chart for the first 100 fry words, second 100 fry words, and we just keep going. There's no, I mean, there's no stopping. Wow. And that's all this being born out of an experience where you're like, yeah, this will never work for me. Never work for me. Right? Bring that thing around full circle. Um, That's really interesting. And so how how has this maybe changed how you even view, because we've been, you know, obviously talking a lot about reading, um, but just kind of the rest of your day even just this personalized practices and uh, the way in which you kind of facilitate, even if it's not fully personalized. 
you know, I feel like it, it has shown me that even though they are five and six and I do still let them just be kids, they really can do a lot more than, than we have given them credit for, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, and maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just, you know, what I thought they could do. But I see it more throughout the day in celebrating each other. So that's something I feel like if, if I can teach them that in kindergarten and then they can take that beyond, that'll make me happy. But in math, they get super excited when friends get a problem correct or can explain it in their own words. I just, I feel like it's built a community in our classroom. And I see that all throughout the day. It's so powerful to think about that. And I like the piece that you said too, which is where, I mean, my heart's at and I kind of advocate for is that, uh, you know, I want to work with teachers K-12 because the more we can make experiences like this systemic, uh, what does that do for the learner after, yeah, 10, 12 years of trying to have some of these? And again, never will you ever just personalize everything and just max out, right? And I don't think that would be good instructional practice to get to a place where it's just entirely, we're not Montessori here. No. <laughs> like, but but to, to be intentional about at appropriate times and in ways that are on level to make those experiences consistent and those celebrations possible and that reflection possible and to add in those layers um, just makes for a well-rounded learner and somebody who's going to be successful in whatever they venture into as an adult because you always hear the whole spiel, like, we're preparing students for jobs that don't exist yet. Well, that's true. That but, is true. But if you can set a goal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in kindergarten and achieve it and get excited and be part of a positive culture, um, that stuff really, you know, trend, I think has its applicability across any, any you know, future context. So it's really awesome. All right, last question here for you then. What would you say to somebody who's kind of starting out? Uh, that maybe have the same disposition that you did or or something similar to that. Um, I mean, obviously, you, they've heard your testimonial here, but maybe to get them to get them off the ground. Just do it. Yeah? Like, just go for it, yeah. Jump both feet in and, and just go for it. it it's, all, it's something you can change. You can try it for a week, and if it absolutely bombs, then change it. Try something, you know, maybe a little less the next week, or if it goes great, add a little more the next week. I feel like we kind of jumped right in in the beginning. We had to change things along the way, but it worked. Mm-hmm. So I say just jump right in. Talk to people that are doing it if you you know if you want help, and then just jump right in. Yeah, awesome. And that's yeah. what's been fun about this role too. Is that if you need a little help, we've got some people in our district to kind of mm-hmm. kind of do that. So, uh, well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really fun getting a chance yeah. to hear about uh, kindergarten, and I've just been so excited to pick your brain a little bit on the podcast because you do an amazing job in the classroom. It's been really fun to kind of get in there and see that. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.